0: Chapter twenty eight of Unleavened Bread This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Unleavened Bread by Robert Grant, Chapter 28. The body of Senator Calkins was laid to rest with appropriate ceremonies in the soil of his native state, and his virtues as a statesman and citizen were celebrated in the pulpit and in the public prints on the day following the funeral the contest for his place began in dead earnest there had been some quiet canvassing by the several candidates while the remains were being transported from washington but public utterance was stayed until the last rites were over then it transpired that there were four candidates in the field a congressman an ex-governor a silver-tongued orator named stringer who was a member of the upper branch of the state legislature and who claimed to be a true defender of popular rights, and Honorable James O. Lyons. newspaper comment concerning the candidacy of these aspirants early promulgated the doctrine that Governor Lyons was entitled to the place if he desired it. More than one party organ claimed that his brilliant services had given him a reputation beyond the limit of mere political prestige, and that he had become a veritable son of the state by the end of a fortnight the ex-governor had withdrawn in favor of lyons while the following of the congressman was recognized to be inconsiderable and that he was holding out in order to obtain terms only the silver-tongued orator stringer remained on him the opposition within the party had decided to unite their forces to all appearances they were in a decided minority there was no hope that the republican members of the legislature would join them for it seemed scarcely good politics to rally to the support of a citizen whose statesmanship had not been tested in preference to the governor of the state it was conceded by all but the immediate followers of stringer that lyons would receive the majority vote of either house and be triumphantly elected on the first joint ballot and yet the opposition to the governor though numerically small was genuine Stringer was, as he described himself, a man of the plain people, that is, he was a lawyer with a denunciating voice, a keen mind, and a comprehensive grasp on language, who was still an attorney for plaintiffs, and whose ability had not yet been recognized by corporations or conservative souls. He was where Lyons had been ten years before, but he had neither the urbanity, conciliatory tendencies, nor dignified, solid, physical properties of the governor. He was pleased to refer to himself as a tribune of the people, and his thin, nervous figure clad in a long frock coat, with a yawning collar and black wisp tie, his fiery utterance and relentless zeal bore out the character. He looked hungry, and his words suggested that he was in earnest, carrying conviction to some of his colleagues in the legislature. The election at which Lyons had been chosen chief magistrate had brought this into the state government a sprinkling of socialistic spirits as they were called who applauded vigorously the thinly veiled allusions which stringer made in debate to the lukewarm democracy of some of the party leaders when he spoke with stern contempt of those who played fast and loose with sacred principles they were staunch friends of the humblest citizens on the public platform and behind their backs grew slyly rich on the revenues of wealthy corporations Everyone knew that he was baiting the governor. These diatribes were stigmatized as in wretched taste, but the politicians of both parties could not help being amused. They admitted behind their hands that the taunt was not altogether groundless and that Lyon certainly was on extremely pleasant terms with prosperity for an out-and-out champion of popular rights. Nevertheless, the leading party newspapers termed Stringer a demagogue, and accused him of endeavoring to foment discord in the ranks of the democracy by questioning the loyalty of a man who had led them to notable victory twice in the last three years he was invited to step down and to season his aspirations until he could present a more significant public record what had he done that entitled him to the senatorship he had gifts undeniably but he was young and he could wait This was a taking argument with the legislatures, many of whom had grown gray in the party service, and Lyons' managers felt confident that the support accorded to this tribune of the people would dwindle to the very small proportions when the time came to count noses. Suddenly there loomed into sight on the political horizon and came bearing down on Lyons under full sail Elton's bill for the consolidation of the gas companies, the Benham Sentinel, had not been one of the promoters of Lyons's senatorial canvas, but it had not espoused the cause of any of his competitors, and latterly had referred in acquiescent terms to his election as a foregone conclusion. He had not happened to run across Elton during these intervening weeks, and preferred not to encounter him. He cherished an ostrich-like hope that Elton was in no haste regarding the bill, and that consequently it might not pass the legislature until after his election as senator if he were to come in contact with elton the meeting might jog the busy magnate's memory it was a barren hope immediately after the sentinel announced that the governor lyons was practically sure to be the next united states senator the gas bill was reported favorably by the committee which had it in charge and was advanced rapidly in the house debate on its provisions developed that it was not to have entirely plain sailing though the majority recorded in its favor on the first and second readings, was large. It was not at first regarded as a party measure. Its supporters included most of the Republicans and more than half of the Democrats. Yet the opposition to it proceeded from the wing of the democracy with which Stringer was affiliated. Elton's interest in the bill was well understood, and the work of pledging members in advance, irrespective of party, had been so thoroughly done that but for the extingencies of the senatorial contest it would probably have slipped through without notice as a harmless measure as it was the opposition to it in the lower branch was brief and seemed unimportant the bill passed the house of representatives by a nearly two-thirds vote and went promptly to the senate calendar then suddenly it became obvious to lyons not merely that Elton was bent on securing its passage while the present governor was still in office, but that his rival Stringer had conceived the cruel scheme of putting him in the position, by a hue and cry against monopoly and corporate interests, where his election to the senatorship would be imperiled if he did not veto the measure. By a caustic speech in the Senate, Stringer drew public attention to the skillfully concealed iniquities of the proposed franchise, and public attention thus aroused began to bristle. Newspapers here and there throughout the state put forth edicts that this legislature had been chosen to protect popular principles, and that here was an opportunity for the Democratic Party to fulfill its pledges and serve the people. Stringer and his associates were uttering in the Senate burning words against the audacious menace of what they termed the franchise octopus. Did the people realize that this bill to combine gas companies which looked so innocent on its face was a gigantic scheme to wheedle them out of a valuable franchise for nothing did they understand that they were deliberately putting their necks in the grip of a monster whose tentacles would squeeze and suck their lifeblood for its own enrichment stringer hammered away with fierce and reiterated invective he had no hope of defeating the bill but he confidently believed that he was putting his adversary the governor in a hole It had been noised about the lobbies by the friends of the measure earlier in the session that the governor was all right, and could be counted on. Stringer reasoned that Lyons was committed to the bill, that if he signed it, his opponents might prevent his election as senator on the plea that he catered to corporate interests, that if he vetoed it, he would lose the support of powerful friends who might seek to revenge themselves by uniting on his opponent. Stringer recognized that he was playing a desperate game, but it was his only chance. One thing was evident already. As a result of the exposure in the Senate, considerable public hostility to the bill was manifesting itself. Petitions for its defeat were in circulation, and several senators who had been supposed to be friendly to its passage veered round in deference to the views of their constituents. Its defeat had almost become a party measure. A majority of the Democrats in the Senate were claimed to be against it. Nevertheless, there was no delay on the part of those in charge in pushing it to final action. They had counted noses, and their margin of support had been so liberal, they could afford to lose a few deserters. After a fierce debate, the bill was passed to be engrossed by a majority of eleven. The Democrats in the Senate were just evenly divided on the ballot what would the governor do this was the question on everyone's lips would he sign or veto the bill public opinion as represented by the newspapers was prompt to point out his duty the verdict of a leading party organ was that in view of all the circumstances governor lyons could scarcely do otherwise than refuse to give his official sanction to a measure which threatened to increase the burdens of the plain people the words in view of all the circumstances appeared to be a euphemism for in view of his ambition to become united states senator several journals declared unequivocally that it would become the duty of the party to withdraw its support from governor lyons in case he allowed this undemocratic measure to become law on the other hand certain party organs questioned the justice of the outcry against the bill arguing that the merits of the case had been carefully examined in the legislature and that there was no occasion for the governor to disturb the result of its action on the day after the bill was sent to the chief magistrate an editorial appeared in the benham sentinel presenting an exhaustive analysis of its provisions and pointing out that though the petitioners might under certain contingencies reap a reasonable profit the public could not fail in that event to secure a lower price for gas and more effective service this article was quoted extensively throughout the senate and was ridiculed or extolled according to the sympathies of the critics Lyons received a marked copy of the sentinel on the morning when it appeared. He recognized the argument as that which he had accepted at the time he promised to sign the bill, if he were elected governor. In the course of the same day, a letter sent by messengers was handed to him in the executive chamber. It contained simply two lines in pencil in Elton's handwriting. It continues to be of vital importance to my affairs that the pending bill should receive your signature. That was obviously a polite reminder of their agreement an intimation that the circumstances had not altered, and that it was incumbent on him to perform his part of their compact. Obviously, too, Horace Elton took for granted that a reminder was enough, and that he would keep his word. He had promised to sign the bill, he had given his word of his honor to do so, and Elton was relying on his good faith. The situation had suddenly become oppressive and disheartening just when his prospects seemed assured this unfortunate obstacle had appeared in his path and threatened to confound his political career he must sign the bill and if he signed it in all probability he would lose the senatorship his enemies would claim that the party could not afford to stillify itself by the choice of a candidate who preferred monopolies he had given his promise the word of a man of honor and a business man what escape was there from this predicament if he vetoed the bill would he not be a liar and a poltroon if he signed it the senatorship would slip through his fingers the thought occurred to him to send for elton and throw himself on his mercy but he shrank from such an interview elton was a business man and a promise was a promise he had enjoyed the consideration for his promise his notes were secure and the hypotheticated bonds had been redeemed he was on his feet and governor thanks to elton's interposition and now he was called on to do his part to pay the fiddler he must sign the bill lyons had five days in which to consider the matter at the end of that time if he neither signed nor vetoed the bill it would become law without his signature he was at bay and the time for deliberation was short an incubus of disappointment weighed upon his soul and clouded his brow his round smooth face looked grieved it seemed cruel to him that such an untoward piece of fortune should confront him just at the moment when this great reward for his political services was within his grasp and his opportunities for eminent public usefulness assured he brooded over his quandary in silence for twenty-four hours on the second day he concluded to speak of the matter to selma he knew that she kept a general run on public affairs not infrequently she had asked him questions concerning measures before the legislature and he was pleasantly aware that she was ambitious to be regarded as a politician but up to this time there had been no room for question as to what his action as governor should be in respect to any measure it had happened despite his attitude of mental comradeship with his wife that he had hitherto concealed from her his most secret transactions he had left her in the dark in regard to his true dealings with williams and van horn he had told her nothing as to his straitened circumstances the compact by which he had been made governor and his relief at the hands of elton from threatened financial ruin reluctance born of the theory in his soul that these were accidents in his life not typical happenings had sealed his lips he was going to confide in her now not because he expected that selma's view of this emergency would differ from his own but in order that she might learn before he acted that he was under an imperative obligation to sign the bill while he was sitting at home in the evening with the topic trembling on his tongue selma made his confession easy by saying i have taken for granted that you will veto the gas bill selma had indeed so assumed in the early stages of the bill she had been ignorant of its existence during the last fortnight since the controversy had reached an acute phase and public sentiment had been aroused against its passage she had been hoping that it would pass so that lyons might have the glory of returning it to the legislature without a signature she had reason that he would be certain to veto the measure for the bill was clearly in the interest of monopoly and though her nerves were all on edge with excitement over the impending election of a senator she had not interfered because she took for granted that it was unnecessary even when lyons after reading the article in the sentinel had dropped the remark that the measure was really harmless and the outcry against it unwarranted she had supposed that he was merely seeking to be magnanimous she had forgotten this speech until it was recalled by Lyons's obvious state of worry during the last few days. She had noticed this at first without special concern, believing it due to the malicious insinuations of Stringer. Now that the bill was before him for signature, there could be no question as to his action. Nevertheless, her heart had suddenly been assailed by a horrible doubt, and straightway her sense of duty as a wife, and of duty to herself, had sought assurance in a crucial inquiry. I was going to speak to you about this this evening. "'I wish to tell you the reasons which oblige me to sign the bill,' he answered. Lyons's manner was subdued and limp. Even his phraseology had been stripped of its stateliness. "'Sign the bill?' gasped Selma. "'If you sign it, you will lose the senatorship.' She spoke like a prophetess, and her steely eyes snapped. "'That is liable to be the consequence, I know. "'I will explain it to you, Selma. "'You will see that I am bound in honor and cannot help myself.' in honor you are bound in honor to your party bound in honor to me to veto it wait a minute selma you must hear my reasons before i was nominated for governor i gave horace elton my word man to man that i would sign this gas bill it is his bill i promised if i were elected governor not to veto it at the time i was financially embarrassed and i did not tell you because i was unwilling to distress you but my affairs in new york were in disorder and i had notes here coming due nothing was said about money matters between elton and me until he agreed to support me as governor then he offered help me and i accepted his aid don't you see that i cannot help myself i must sign the bill selma had listened in amazement it's a trap she murmured horace elton has led you into a trap the thought that elton's politeness to her was a blind and that she had been made sport of took precedence in her resentment even of the annoyance caused by her husband's deceit why did you conceal all of this from me she asked tragically i should not have done so perhaps if you had told me this difficulty never would have arisen it's not a real difficulty surely you must throw elton over surely you must veto the bill throw him over stammered lyons you don't understand selma i gave my word as a business man i am under great obligations to him he told briefly the details of the transaction even the hypothetication of the parsons bonds for once in his life he made a clean breast of his bosom's perilous stuff he was ready to bear the consequences of his plight rather than be false to his man's standard of honour and yet his wife's opposition had fascinated him as well as startled him he set forth his case the case which meant his political checkmate then waited selma had risen and stood with folded arms gazing into distance with the far-away look by which she was wont to subdue mountains have you finished she asked what you are proposing to do is sacrifice your life and my life james lyons for the sake of a fetish horace elton under the pretense of friendship for us has taken advantage of your necessities to extract from you a promise to support an evil scheme a bill to defraud the plain american people of their rights the people whose interests you swore to protect when you took the oath as governor is a promise between a man and a man as you call it more sacred than everlasting truth itself more binding than the tie of principle and political good faith will you refuse to veto a bill that you know is a blow at liberty in order to keep a technical business compact with an overreaching capitalist who has no sympathy with our ideas i am disappointed in you james i thought you could see clearer than that lyon sighed i examined the bill at the time with some care and did not think it inimical to the public interests but had I foreseen the objections which would be raised against it i admit that i never would have agreed to sign it precisely you were taken in she meant in her heart that they had both been taken in this is not a case of commercial give-and-take of purchase and sale of stocks or merchandise the eternal verities are concerned you owe it to your country to break your word the triumph of american principles is paramount to your obligation to elton whom will this gas bill benefit but the promoters your view james is the old-fashioned view just as i said to you the other day that dr page is old-fashioned in his views of medicine so it seems to me if you will forgive my saying so you are in this instant behind the times and you are not usually behind the times it has been one of the joyous features of my marriage with you that you have not lacked american initiative and independence of conventions i wish you had confided in me you were forced to give that promise by your financial distress will you let an old-fashioned theory of private honor make you a traitor to our party cause and to the sovereign people of our country lyons bowed his head between his hands you make me see that there are two sides to the question selma it is true that i was not myself when elton got my promise to sign the bill my mind has been on the rack for weeks and i was unfit to form a correct estimate of a complicated public measure but a promise is a promise what can he do if you break it he will not kill you he will not kill me no but he will despise me lyons reflected as he spoke that elton would be unable to injure him financially he would be able to pay his notes when they came due thanks to the improvement in business affairs which had set in since the beginning of the year and your party the american people will despise you if you sign the bill whose contempt do you fear the most i see i see he murmured, I cannot deny there is much force in your argument, dear. I fear there can be no doubt that if I let the bill become law, public clamor will oblige the party to throw me over and take up Stringer or some dark horse. That means a serious setback to my political progress, means perhaps my political ruin. Your political suicide, James, and there is another side to it, continued Selma pathetically. My side? I wish you to think of that. I wish you to realize that if you yield to this false notion of honor, you will interfere with the development of my life no less than your own. As you know, I think, I became your wife because I felt that as a public woman working at your side, in behalf of the high purposes in which we had a common sympathy, I should be a greater power for good than if I pursued alone my career as a writer and on the lecture platform. Until today I have felt sure that I made no mistake, that we had made no mistake. Without respect to the dead, i must say that for the first time in my life marriage has meant to me what it should mean and has tended to bring out the best which is in me i have grown i have developed i have been recognized we have both made progress only a few days ago i was rejoicing to think that when you became a united states senator there would be a noble field for my abilities as well as yours we are called a high office called to battle for great principles and to lead the nation to worthy things and now in a moment of mental blindness you are threatening to spoil all for my sake if not for your own james be convinced that you do not see clearly do not snatch the cup of happiness from my lips just as at last it is full give me the chance to live my own life as i wish to live it there was a brief silence lyons rose and let fall his head on the table with impressive emphasis his mobile face was working with emotion his eyes were filled with tears i will veto the bill he said grandiloquently the claims of private honor must give way to the general welfare and the demands of civilization you have convinced me selma my wife my point of view was old-fashioned superior ethics permit no other solution of the problem superior ethics he repeated as though the phrase gave him comfort would not justify a statesman in sacrificing his party and his own powers I and his political conscience in order to keep a private compact I shall veto the bill. Thank God for that, she murmured. Lyon stepped forward and put his arm around her. You shall live your own life as you desire, Selma. No act of mine shall spoil it. Superior ethics taught you by your wife, your poor wise wife in whom you would not confide. She playfully tapped him on his fat cheek. Naughty boy. There are moments when a man sees through a glass darkly, he answered, kissing her again this is a solemn decision for us selma heaven has willed that you should save me from my own errors and my own blindness we shall be very happy james you will be chosen senator and all will be as it should be the clouds on my horizon are one by one passing away and justice is prevailing at last what do you suppose I heard today? Pauline Littleton is to marry Doctor Page. Mrs. Earle told me so. Pauline has written to the trustees that after the 1st of next January she will cease to serve as president of Wetmore. That by the time the college will be running smoothly, so that a successor can take up the work there is a chance now that the trustees will choose a genuine educator for the place some woman of spontaneous impulses and a large outlook on life pauline's place is by the domestic hearth she could never have much influence on progress i do not know her very well said lyons but i know this selma you would be just the woman for that place if you were not my wife you would make an ideal president of a college for progressive women i am suited for the work and i think i am progressive she admitted but that of course is out of the question for me as a married woman and the wife of a united states senator but i am glad james to have you appreciate my strong points on the following day lyons vetoed the gas bill his message to the legislature described it as a measure which disposed of a valuable franchise for nothing and which would create a monopoly detrimental to the rights of the public this action met with public approval one newspaper expressed well the feeling of the community by declaring that the governor had faced the issue squarely and shown the courage of his well-known convictions the benham sentinel was practically mute it stated merely in a short editorial that it was disappointed in governor lyons and that he had played into the hands of the demagogues and the sentimentalists it suggested to the legislature to show commendable independence by passing the bill over his veto but this was obviously a vain hope the vote in the house against the veto not merely fell short of the requisite two-thirds but was less than a plurality showing that the action of the chief magistrate had reversed the sentiment of the legislature the force of stringer's opposition was practically killed by the governor's course He had staked everything on the chance that Lyons would see fit to sign the bill. When the party caucus for the chance of a candidate for senator was held a few days later, his followers recognized the hopelessness of his ambition, and prevailed on him to withdraw his name from consideration. Lyons was elected senator of the United States by a party vote by the two branches of the legislature assembled in column conclave. Apparently Elton had realized that opposition was useless, and he must bide his time for revenge booming cannon celebrated the result of the proceedings and selma waiting at home on the river drive received a telegram from the capital announcing the glad news her husband was united states senator and the future stretched before her big with promise she had battled with life she had suffered she had held fast to her principles and at last she was rewarded Lyons returned to benham by the afternoon train and a salute of one hundred guns greeted him on his arrival he walked from the station like any private citizen frequent cheers attended his progress to his house in the evening the shops and public buildings were illuminated and the james o lyons cadets who considered themselves partly responsible for his rapid promotion led a congratulatory crowd to the river drive the senator elect in response to the music of a serenade stepped out on the balcony selma waited behind the window-curtain until the enthusiasm had subsided then she glided forth and showed herself at his elbow a fresh round of cheers for the senator's wife followed it was a glorious night the moon shone brightly the street was thronged by the populace and glittered with the torches of the cadets Lyon stood bareheaded his large round smooth face glistened and the moonbeams bathing his chin-beard gave him the effect of a patriarch of one inspired he raised his hand to induce silence then stood for a moment as was his habit before speaking with an expression as though he were struggling with emotion or busy in silent prayer fellow-citizens of benham he began slowly compatriots of the sovereign state which has done me today so great an honor, I thank you for this precious greeting. You are my constituents and my brothers. I accept from your hands this great trust of office knowing that I am but your representative, knowing that my mission is to bear constant witness to the love of liberty, the love of progress, the love of truth, which are enshrined in the hearts of the great American people your past has been ever glorious your future looms big with destiny still leaning on the god of our fathers to whom our patriot sires have ever turned and whose favors to our beloved country are seen in your broad prairies tall with fruitful grain and your mighty engines of commerce i take up the work which you have given me to do pledge to remain a democrat of the democrats an american of the americans Selma heard the words of his prioration with a sense of ecstasy. She felt that he was speaking for them both, and that he was expressing the yearning intention of her soul to attempt and perform great things. She stood gazing straight before her with her far-away seraph look as though she were penetrating the future even into paradise. End of the Project Gutenberg ebook: Unleavened Bread.